Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. And as I say that, I'm going to talk a little bit about basketball, as has been the case here recently. How much fun has it been to watch these Red Raiders make their run and now a berth for the first time in the NCAA Men's National Championship game facing the Virginia Cavaliers. Going to be so exciting to watch that game. I have full confidence the Red Raiders are going to take care of business and bring that natty back to the LBK. I'm so excited for what these guys are doing. I'm excited to watch them do it the right way, to hear what they believe in. Their core values shine through every time they speak, every time Coach Beard speaks. So impressive to hear these guys and see what they're about. Really have enjoyed this team and seeing their run, it's just been a lot of fun. Baseball baby number one in my heart, but I enjoy watching basketball and enjoy following this team. It's been a fun one this season for them and have just been so impressed with the ambassadors they've been for Texas Tech and just the way they play the game and how hard they work. It's just been fun. So find a good place to get around some Red Raiders and watch that game on Monday evening. I think I might make my way up to the United Supermarkets Arena and see if I can find a seat there to watch that game amongst a whole lot of Red Raider faithful. So your Texas Tech baseball team faced off with the Kansas Jayhawks in a three-game series this weekend. We previewed that one last Thursday in an episode with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. Texas Tech ultimately did come out victorious. They won the series. They won two out of three. They did lose the Sunday game in a little bit of a disappointing fashion. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the Friday game came with its own set of fireworks. The game was moved up to 2 p.m., first pitch because of impending weather that evening, which did come through the area. The Red Raiders found themselves in the bottom of the sixth inning down four runs to nothing. They did plate three in that sixth, getting after it quickly, but then found themselves scoreless in the seventh. They did plate the tying run in the eighth. Cameron Warren with a leadoff single to left center field. A sack bunt by Drew Baker moved him around. And then Max Marshock with... An impressive bunt single, which he's had more than one of those at this point, was impressive to watch as well. Braxton Fulford, ultimately with the RBI, he grounds out to the shortstop, but that brings Cameron Warren home to bring the tying run across. And then Max Marshock again, Coach Tadlock sends him in a fun one, but he does get caught stealing home, ultimately ends the inning. So the Red Raiders go into the ninth, tied up at four runs apiece. They do hold the Jayhawks down to no runs in that top of the ninth, and the Red Raiders have the opportunity then to come in in the bottom of the ninth and win the game. And a lot of guys work together to make that happen. Gabe Holt with a leadoff single to left field to get himself aboard. Once again, a sack bunt from Cole Stilwell moves Holt around. Josh Young is intentionally walked to put the force on. Dylan Noisy then is walked unintentionally, Bases end up loaded officially, but that's the best leave three on that you're ever going to hear as Brian Klein steps up, hits an RBI walk-off single to right field, and the Red Raiders do ultimately win the game. Here's the call from Jamie Lent on Double T 97-3. Pitch now to Brian, hit towards second. It's going to get third for a hit. Cold Hump comes home to score. Red Raiders win. 
It's a great day to be a Red Raider. Texas Tech comes from four runs down to win it on a walk-off RBI hit from Brian Klein. Fun moment there, and what you can't see here in a podcast is Brian Klein getting mobbed by his teammates as Gabe Holt comes across and steps on home plate. Teammates mob Brian Klein out there in the base paths and really get to celebrating pulling him out there in the right field. A lot of fun to watch that. Good to see these guys come together a little bit as a team. I think that's something we've been missing. Lots of fans have been talking about that. Nice to see them coming together. Great performances on that day overall. Not the biggest offensive output you're ever going to see, but hits when it counted for these guys. Also getting out there with a willingness to bunt when needed, sacrificing to move their runners around. Drew Baker ends up with two RBIs on the day, going two for three. Did a really nice job. He also stole a base. Just some good ones all around, and nice to see these guys out there working and really making things happen. When they had runners in scoring position, when they had opportunities to get something done, they did it, and they did it together as a team. Really like seeing that. So you head into Saturday. Of course, the mind of Red Raider Nation is fairly focused at that point on the Final Four game that's going to be happening that evening. So the ballpark wasn't particularly full, but the Red Raiders made you – a little bit frustrated that you missed it because all of a sudden they come out. They score two in the first. It's some scoreless innings from there. Kansas had yet to score at that point. And then in the bottom of the fourth, the Red Raiders reel off 13 runs. The Red Raiders batted around in that inning almost twice. Most of them scored at least a run. Several scored two runs. It was really <laughs> it was something to watch. A lot of fun there. A lot of fun to be in the ballpark for. And I honestly, it made you feel a little bit better because this doesn't happen often, but I snuck out of the ballpark a little bit early to go get to the festivities and make sure I had my table to watch the basketball game that evening. And I left watching the Red Raiders have a 15-4 to lead. They ultimately end up taking down the Jayhawks 19-4 to in that game. Caleb Killian got the start in that one. He went five full innings pitched. He allowed six hits, four runs, three walks, and three Ks. He pitched 89 pitches in his five full innings. Not a bad outing for Killian. Overall, he looked pretty strong on the day. Connor Queen came in with two shutout innings in relief. Mason Montgomery did an inning in relief, and Ryan Cassie as well. We were talking amongst my friends in the stands. We haven't seen much of Mason Montgomery in a while, wondering how they'll be using him. I don't I don't know that he's fully lost a starting role as they've tried some different guys out and tried the hot hands. Erickson Landing is one that had continued in that lineup but had a really just abysmal day on Sunday, unfortunately. Did not record an out, was pulled after 17 pitches. So you wonder if you might see Mason Montgomery again in favor of Lanning, who obviously struggled. So on Sunday, the Red Raiders came in once again with an opportunity to sweep a team from Kansas. Really, really needed to get a sweep in the conference play. That would have pushed the Red Raiders up to 6-3 and three in their conference record. But unfortunately, just weren't able to get it all together on the day. It was a good day at the plate for both teams. Some really unusual things happening in the first inning. Eli Davis, the starting pitcher for the Kansas Jayhawks, on his second batter, which was Cole Stillwell, he stepped off the front of the mound, motioned to his catcher in the dugout that he needed someone to come out, kind of wondering, oh, did he hurt his arm? Did he feel something pop or or whatever? And as folks come out, all of a sudden, he starts blowing chunks in front of the mound. So I guess you could say that Eli Davis left everything out there on the field, but he ended up hanging in and gutting it out. He went three and two-thirds innings pitched. 
He allowed eight hits, six runs, five of them earned, four walks, and he didn't record any Ks. Not a great outing for him overall, but hadn't seen a whole lot of that, of somebody throwing up on the field and then hanging in there. Pretty funny moment, too, as one of the coaching staff from Kansas stood there, and after he was done throwing up, he kind of sprinkled some water out of a water bottle on top of it, and everybody went about their day. Josh Young had something to say about that in the postgame press conference. He basically talked about how it was just kind of gross, and he was worried that a grounder might come through it, and he wasn't going to want to have to touch it because that's just kind of nasty. So just a weird first inning for sure there. He did gut it out and stay in, so I guess give him credit for that. Other parts of that first inning, though, as I mentioned, Erickson Landing only goes through four batters. He pitches 17 pitches. He hits his first batter, walks the next, walks the one after that, and then allows an RBI single before he's pulled. Just you expect much better stuff from him. Tim Tadlock talked about that in the press conference. He said there were just a lot of command issues on Sunday from the pitchers, and he just didn't know what it was. It just seemed like command issues kind of across the board. Really, your bright spot on the day was Taylor Floyd. He came in after landing, turned in three solid innings, one hit baseball, allowed one run, one walk, had two strikeouts. Overall, just a nice outing from Floyd. Then you bring in Bryce Bonin, who's somebody you think you're going to get some good deep time from, and he only goes an inning in a third, two hits, two runs, both earned, two walks and two Ks in 36 pitches. Dane Haveman came in and turned in another good outing for you. Haveman leads the team in appearances. Clayton Beater came in, turned in time. Beater was throwing gas, but seemed to be struggling with command as well. John McMillan started out strong, but then began to struggle with command also. He and Beater both struggling with some walks. And then ultimately, Kurt Wilson came in as your final pitcher, but also wasn't able to shut anybody down. Now, I think there's something important to think about here, and I say it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's probably a fair question as well. There was a big basketball game on Saturday night. There was a lot of celebrating to be done. Maybe there was a little too much celebrating done by some of the team, some of the guys on the baseball team. I don't know if that's true or not, but there, we definitely saw kind of some lethargic play and guys that whose heads weren't fully in the game. So it was a little bit frustrating. You had some fans frustrated out there with kind of the product they were seeing. To put it bluntly, you're playing probably the worst team in the conference, potentially bottom two, but you know certainly in that range. So getting the sweep would be really important, especially when you're here in Lubbock. That's going to be a game that the Red Raiders are going to want back. Josh Young did talk about it's all about how they're going to respond as they have a a midweek game coming up against New Mexico State in Midland, and then they'll be going to West Virginia next weekend. And really, this is the last opportunity to play this kind of bottom of the conference, folks. And then the Red Raiders are going to hit the meat of the schedule. They're going to jump into Baylor. They're going to have to play Oklahoma State. And you're, obviously Oklahoma is going to be down the road as well as TCU. So there's no time to lollygag. You need to come back and play their best baseball against West Virginia. There are some bright spots. There were bright spots on the day offensively. Josh Young did hit a two-run home run into the Red Raiders' bullpen in the eighth inning. That got the team within one and looked like there may be an opportunity there to to bring this thing back. But then the Red Raiders gave up three runs in the ninth and just weren't able to get a rally going. But there was some good stuff to watch that day. Max Marshak hit a triple out to the right center field wall. That was an RBI triple. So Marshak has four triples on the season. No doubles, but a bunch of triples. His bat is coming on. Exciting to see him. It looks like he might have owned a spot out there in left field. We'll see. But he's been playing well. He's hitting the ball pretty well. Cole Stilwell, another one, has really been putting the barrel to the ball very well. He was three for five today. And one of his outs was a line out. 
that was really well played at shortstop. So one that just really stole it from him on a dive. So that was a tough one for him. But all in all, a pretty good day for the Red Raiders offensively, just not able to overcome what was being given to the Jayhawks offensively. So just a, a frustrating one to see. Red Raiders ultimately fall 13-9 to on the day. I did want to mention a couple of fun plays from the weekend. On Sunday, Cameron Warren got himself on in the fifth with a walk. Drew Baker, who ended up going three for five on the day with an RBI and a run scored, hit a double to the right center field wall. Cameron Warren ended up getting waved around, and so you had big Cam Warren scoring from first base. He was really, really pushing it to get in there. And uh, did a good job to come around and score that run. That was a fun one to watch. Fun to watch Drew Baker get himself a double. He had a really fine day at the plate. Had a pretty good weekend overall. And then Cameron Warren out there chugging it around to bring himself in. Another fun one, of course, as I mentioned, watching Max Marshock's triple. That was one where it really looked like Coach Tadlock wanted to send him. But another situation where as he's coming into third, the second baseman already has the ball. So <laughs> Coach Tadlock erring on the side of caution this time and not sending him, but I just have a feeling it's going to come. That young man is going to get himself an inside-the-park home run. He is blazing fast. When he's hit a ball well, it is so fun to watch him rounding first. Where I sit near the first base side, when he picks up a head of steam and knows that he's going to be rounding around and taking himself to second, he can really get moving. It's fun. One other one I wanted to mention, Brian Klein on Saturday in the fifth, he leads off and hits a triple down the left field line. Now, it looks like an in-the-park home run. Brian Klein went all the way around. He touched all four and did score a run, but he ended up with a triple and scored on an error on a bad throw from left field. But, man, nice one there for BK, really well-struck ball. He ended up going three for four on Saturday, and then a walk as well. So Brian Klein hitting his first triple and then chugging around on an E7 to get himself into score. That was another fun one to watch. So Red Raiders seem to be getting things a little bit more together at the plate than struggling, at least on Sunday, from the mound. And I don't think those are struggles that we'll see continue, but it was definitely an off day for the arms. So I do have some series awards to give out. The hitter of the series award, I'm going to give that to Josh Young this weekend. He went 5-for-11 on the weekend, had six ribbies, two runs, four walks, two doubles, and a home run. I think Josh Young has found his stroke. I feel like he has gotten himself back where he wants to be. He's feeling good. He's seeing the ball well. It seems like he's fully healthy. There was a time coming around Josh Young might have stretched one out into a double and he really, really came moving around first and it looked like he was healthy and ready to run at full stride. He leads the team currently with 11 doubles. So I know we've been talking about Josh Young being a little bit down, uh, but that, as we've said, is a little silly. I mean, yes, Josh Young flirted with 400 much of last season. He's still batting 330 right now for the Red Raiders and he is leading the team in doubles with 11. He's the only Red Raider in double digits in extra base hits. 
So he also is leading the Big 12 uh, with 13 walks in conference play, and Josh Young now has nine multi-RBI games on the season. So the home run he hit was an exciting one as well. It was a very well-struck ball. Fun to watch him knock one out of the yard. He needed that. I think he needed several things that happened for him today to get his confidence back up. It has been a slog for him, I know. I know he has been frustrated. He's been getting himself on base and walking, and it was nice to see him swing the bat the way you know he can. Pitcher of the series, this award's always a little more difficult because I can't provide a, a cumulative effort for a pitcher, but Micah Dallas, really the only starting pitcher that was, I would say, exceptional on the weekend. Caleb Killian was pretty good. Micah Dallas was excellent on Friday night, at least as far as fanning batters. So he went seven full innings pitched. He allowed five hits. He gave up four runs and four walks, but he did fan seven batters. Seven innings pitch is Micah Dallas's career long. So for that freshman to go out there to put in that kind of performance on a Friday night against a pitcher that was really giving the Red Raiders fits for most of the game, Ryan Sear did a very nice job for the Jayhawks, throwing almost 100 pitches. It was just a good night for Micah Dallas. I also noticed him a little bit in the dugout this weekend. He seems like a fun guy, and I think that that's the kind of guy you want to have around on your team. He seems like he's smiling a lot. When somebody hits a dinger and the and the bullpen jumps up on top of their fence out there, Micah Dallas jumps up on top of the low fence in front of the dugout. thought that was pretty funny. After Josh Young hit his home run, Dallas was looking out at the stands and waving his arms and wanting us to get up and get excited. I like that. I like that kind of enthusiasm. That's a lot of fun to see, and I think that's what you want out there in a starting pitcher as well, somebody that's excited to play the game and that's having fun out there with his teammates. That's, that's good stuff. So the player of the series, I did not have to struggle much, and I definitely have some honorable mentions for these awards. Cole Stilwell, somebody that's also swinging the bat really well right now. Excited to watch what he's doing. I know that the coaching staff has been high on him, and it's exciting to see him kind of find his stroke as well. He had a really nice weekend. But the player of the series is going to be Brian Klein, Mr. Consistent once again. Klein went 6-for-12 on the weekend, 4 RBI, 2 runs scored, and 1 triple. So he's got a career-long 21-game reach safely streak going. He's tied for third in the Big 12 with Dylan Noisy for walks. He's fourth in the Big 12 in RBI, and he's got, he's got seven multi-RBI games now, 13 multi-hit games, and he just came up big in a lot of situations this weekend. He had the walk-off hit on Friday as I played for you. He just had some clutch moments where he got a walk, scored a run, hit the RBI that you needed, Whatever it is, he was really there and consistent. Had some nice days. In that 6-for-12, one of his days, he went 3-for-4 with a walk, two runs scored, and an RBI. So just a good weekend for Brian Klein. Good series all the way around. He has been excellent for the Red Raiders this season, and it's good to see BK out there being successful. He currently leads the team with a three eighty two batting average. He's got 42 hits. That leads the team as well. As we said, he's second on the team in RBI. He's got 33. Cameron Warren now has 40 RBI. He and Noisy tied to top the team with 27 walks. Just uh, been a good one for BK. He's doing well. He's slugging a 491, and it's just uh, it's looking good right now. So enjoying watching him play, enjoying the success that he's seeing. Glad that it's working so well. He also had a defensive play that I put a star in my book for. I don't know that he exactly expected to get a ball that he did, but 
there was a ground out from Kansas's DH in the fourth inning on Saturday. Brian Klein ranged hard to his left and dove and found a ball in the webbing of his glove. I'm not going to just say it was a look what I found moment, but he absolutely snagged a ball that was surprising the athleticism that it took to get that thing. It was way in the gap, and he went over there and got it and got the ground out, and that actually ended the fourth inning for the Jayhawks. So what did we learn this weekend? What did we learn from the Red Raiders looking at the Jayhawks? And I'm not going to talk about the pitching much as in a what we learned kind of sense. I think it was a one-off day. I don't think you'll continue to see that. There was a lot of things going on there that uh, I don't think you'll normally see. So I expect pitching will come right back around. I don't think you're going to see them catch whatever bug is was going around on Sunday. But well, some things that we did see, the lineup is settling in. So we've seen Cole Stillwell in DH for a while now. We've seen him in that two hole and it seems to be working well. As I said, he had a good weekend. Marshawk seems to be locking down left field. He's also hitting well. He's hitting in the eight hole and that's okay. Now they are using him in that bunt situation pretty often. His speed is such a weapon on the base paths, both in stealing and he causes, he forces the defense to play differently just with his speed. He can go out there and he can bunt single and get himself aboard. So they have to play so much differently when he's around and then not knowing how he's going to step out and potentially hit a double down the line as well, or stretch something into a triple. And then it also seems like Drew Baker is going to be settling into shortstop. He had a good weekend at shortstop. I think that the experimentation is ending. Now, there were some opportunities for Coach Tadlock to pinch in a lot of guys, especially on the Saturday game. But I don't think you're going to continue to see as much shifting around as they allow this lineup to settle in. You may see some guys moving in and out of batting position in batting order, but I think overall that this may be the lineup we'll be seeing for most of the rest of the season. I also just noticed that just Gabe Holt is frustrated and I understand that why he is. And I know that he's not hitting the way he wants to be. He's hitting a 283 right now, not a bad season by any means for Gabe Holt, but not what I think he expects of himself, what he's capable of, what he knows he's capable of. I just noticed frustration from him at the end of the game on Sunday. He was the final out of the Sunday game. He grounded out to the first baseman. He threw his helmet back and he trotted out into the, into the outfield and gathered his thoughts a little bit, came back pretty frustrated before uh, he headed around to shake hands with the other team. And I understand that. And, you know, baseball is a game that'll humble you. Gabe Holt actually tweeted that out after the game. And it is, it's a game that'll humble you, but it's also a game that will reward you. If you stay the course, if you put in the work, if you respect the game, you'll be rewarded. And Gabe Holt's a guy that can grind it out. I mean, he's a guy that can get in there. He has the talent to keep grinding, to keep fighting, to keep working. He has what it takes to get him there. And I think he will. So encourage him. I think that he's going to be just fine, but I understand he's frustrated. And, you know, I was a little bit frustrated this weekend as well, and it wasn't with the play. I was frustrated by two or three people in the stands that thought it was their job to coach the team or to tell the team that they didn't like what was going on. So if you ever in the stands around the first base side and somebody's ragging on the Red Raiders and you hear somebody in the front yell back, wrong team, bro, that's uh, that's going to be me. Because I'll tell you what, I don't really care what's going on. I don't care what you're frustrated about. You know, if you think a pitcher needs to be pulled or whatever, I'm pretty sure our national coach of the year can make that call when the time comes. I'm also pretty sure that our job is to be there as fans of the Red Raiders. We're not baseball experts. I'm certainly not one. We're not the best minds 
that baseball has to offer where people sit in the stands trying to enjoy a game. Now, if you're frustrated that something's happening or not happening the way you want it to, I get that as a, as a fan, I a hundred percent get that, but I'm not going to sit there and rag on my own team. Certainly not yelling out to the field or trying to let everybody know how much I know. So I'll just go ahead and flat out say, you know, shut your mouth, watch the game, enjoy your team. If you can't support them, don't come. If you don't like how they're playing or you don't like what they're doing, Sit at home, you know, come when you think they're good enough for your time. I'm not enjoying listening to people rag on our own Red Raiders. So anyway, that's just my own take. I'll get off my soapbox. I guess I get one of those once in a while. But otherwise, on the weekend, the last thing I wrote down here that we learned is that Max Marshak is fast. He is so fast. And I've talked about this earlier. I do have his stats for the weekend. He went five for 12. He had three ribbies, two runs scored, three walks. And then, as I said, that triple no doubles on the season, but has four triples. He is going to be so much fun to watch for these Red Raiders over the next few seasons. I think, and this season as well, it seems like his bat's coming on. Five for 12 this weekend is good for him. That's been a solid improvement. He's pulled his batting average now up to a 243. He really was struggling at one point. He has eight walks now on the season as well. Remember, he's in a little bit more limited appearances and he's just now recently started to work into starting games consistently so I think that's somebody that you'll see him continue to get used to this college game get used to some of these pitchers and what they're doing and he'll start to figure things out more and more he's a good baseball player and he brings a lot of weapons for the Red Raiders it's been fun to watch Max Marshak come on so where the season stands now your Red Raiders are 21 and 9 they are 5 and 4 in the Big 12 Conference 15 and 3 at home, 6 and 4 away. They're 0 and 2 on at neutral sites. Those were the games in the Frisco College Baseball Classic. So the Red Raiders will be heading to Midland on Tuesday. They'll be playing the New Mexico State Aggies again. And Tech will be playing at Security State Ballpark. That's the home of the Midland Rockhounds, the minor league affiliate there. It's a fun ballpark. It's a cool place to play baseball. I think you'll enjoy it if you feel like making the drive down the Midland or if you're in Midland and want to head out to Rockhound Stadium and see the Red Raiders play. New Mexico State, a team that the Red Raiders have already beaten once this season on February 26th in a Tuesday game in Lubbock. Texas Tech beat the much-heralded New Mexico State offense, shutting them out 7 to nothing. That was a game where Bryce Bonin really, really showed up for the first time and kind of made some eyes bulge out there with his velocity and the things that he was able to do. So the Aggies at this point are 22 and 8 on the season. They're 6 and 3 in their own conference. They've won two in a row. They're 19 and 4 at home and 2 and 4 away. They are 1 and 0 on neutral sites. But things haven't changed a whole lot for New Mexico State since the Red Raiders played them at least as far as their competition goes. They've played LaSalle. They did lose a game to Arizona State 3 to 7. Their games against Nebraska were canceled. Uh, because of the flooding in Nebraska. They did win a game over Xavier. They lost a game to Arizona. They've played CSU Bakersfield, taking two of three. They beat New Mexico, took two of three from Chicago State, two of three from Grand Canyon. So New Mexico State has not been tested, I wouldn't say, in many ways since they played the Red Raiders last. So certainly would expect Texas Tech to get down there in Midland and take care of business. That's what you want to see from them. You want to see good command from the mound. You want to see bats that are really working well. You want to see these guys playing together. I think that that's what this team needs is to get a good W on the road, showing that they can get back and play elite baseball because they're about to head to a weekend series against West Virginia on the road that's going to really take 
some mental toughness to get out there and prove what they can do. But we'll talk about that game next time on the podcast. I'm not going to get too deep in New Mexico State, a team that we've already seen, that we've already previewed in earlier podcasts, but know that they will be playing in Midland at 7 p.m. That game will not be televised, but you can catch it on the Texas Tech Sports Network, double T97.3 and double T973.com, as well as on the mobile app. Well, I don't have much else for you folks. Just encourage you to get out, spend some time with some other Red Raiders, and watch your men's basketball team play for a national championship on Monday night. I believe that game's at 8.20 Central Time on CBS. That's going to be a lot of fun. One way or the other, it's history for Texas Tech, and a lot of fun to have those guys out there. So I encourage you to get yourself around some other Red Raiders, spend some time together. Make sure you're keeping up with this baseball team. Appreciate you being a part of the Dinger Derby podcast. Appreciate all the support. Our Twitter account went over 300 followers finally. It's been neat to see that one grow. been fun to interact with everyone. Getting a lot of downloads each week. Have lots of states under our belt that we're seeing those downloads come from, so that's fun as well. Appreciate your support. Appreciate your time. I'll be back in your feed on Thursday previewing the Red Raiders trip to see the West Virginia Mountaineers, and we'll be recapping briefly that New Mexico State game that's going on on Tuesday in Midland. Until then, we'll see you around the ballpark. We'll see you around Lubbock. Hopefully we'll see you around the United Supermarkets Arena in a national championship game on Monday evening. Until then, if I don't see you before, we'll see you at Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park when the Red Raiders come back home from a road trip. They will be playing Baylor in Lubbock. So if I don't see you before then, have a good one, enjoy everything, and wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me